Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Seems Like Diet Culture podcast. My name is Mallory Page. I am a registered dietitian, and I am also the host of this podcast, which I created because I wanted a space to be able to discuss nutrition, wellness, exercise-based trends and topics in a non-diet way. So much of what is online is really entrenched with diet culture, and I wanted to be able to share more factual, research-based information as well as educated opinions in these areas so that you can make an informed decision on how you want to interact with these things and ultimately implement them into your life. When I created this podcast, I wanted to do a mix of more just intellectual conversations without a quote-unquote correct answer, although there's never really a correct answer to anything, is there? But hopefully you guys get what I mean. As well as more information or question-answering podcasts, and then also more research-driven podcasts. And I feel like lately, There's been a lot of information and research-based podcasts, as well as just current event podcasts, because there's been so many crazy things going on in the world that have been influencing nutrition, wellness, exercise, all this stuff, and also the recovery spaces, hence the NIDA podcast episode last week. And so I wanted to throw in one of these more just intellectual conversations where I just share some of my educated opinions and thoughts to hopefully help you think more critically about something and how you're currently engaging in it. So the episode that I want to do today is on that girl, but in wellness. I always see these as kind of the Instagram influencers or the wellness it girls or the information that you would see if you searched up wellness on Pinterest, that's what I'm imagining as I'm thinking of this. They're drinking green smoothies. They're going on hot girl walks. They have warm lemon water in the morning. They're doing something to take care of their gut. They're probably talking about how they listen to their body They most likely reside in a very thin and conventionally attractive body, and they often have a lot of access to more financial, they're at a financial status that is quite privileged if you look at it in relation to everyone in the world. Now, as you listen to this, you may be thinking, oh my gosh, is she just going to have this whole podcast go on and judge every single person that posts wellness content or is an influencer? And the answer to that is definitely not. There are a lot of very nuanced intersects to this conversation that I want to have because there is the topic of race, of financial means, of privilege in general, body image privilege. I mean, the list could go on and on and on and on of all of the different things that influence the perception of that girl in the wellness field that we have, but that would take us an eight-hour podcast to fully dissect And I'm also not trying to make this podcast to rag on 
all of the wellness influencers. I truly want to be able to have a conversation about this because I know for a fact from my work in Live Unrestricted that, and if you're new here, Live Unrestricted is my program that I have for women that are struggling with their relationship with food and body image and all of those things. And I've had close to 200 women go through it. So I've worked with a lot of people in in these areas. I know that this perception, this wellness person affects the way that women view themselves and the standards that they should have for themselves around food, body image, and exercise. And that's why I think it's really important to talk about. Now, to start off this conversation, I think we do need to visualize this person. And we, of course, can hold space for the fact that there are a lot of different versions of that girl in wellness, but I feel like this is the version that I think about and that my clients are always talking about. It's the girl that you see on TikTok or on Reels or on YouTube or wherever you're watching that is living in her high-rise apartment with floor-to-ceiling windows in a nice city that wakes up early in the morning, does her meditation with her ice roller, then she goes in and she gets ready for Pilates with her matching set active set and her perfect New Balance shoes, and then goes and has her warm lemon water with the green smoothie She goes to Pilates, she comes home, her whole day she's doing manifestations or all of these different wellness practices. She is likely explaining how she listens to her body and she has a lot of beautiful glassware and bowls and furniture and she lives a very aesthetic life, not just within the means of wellness content such as food, exercise, body image, but also in terms of how her whole lifestyle is. And even her body and the way that she looks likely contributes to that assumption or to that perception that we have because she probably is residing in a very conventionally attractive body like we were mentioning earlier. I guarantee that every single one of you has at least seen one of these types of videos before. I know I've seen them and I don't even get a lot of stuff like that onto my feed. I feel like more on Instagram, which is really an interesting thing that we could discuss as well. I just noticed that on Instagram, there's a lot more content like that than there is on TikTok. And maybe that's just because my TikTok is more perceptive to the fact that I don't want to see that stuff and Instagram isn't. But I also wonder if you guys experience similar things where you find way more wellnessy type content of that nature on Instagram or if if you don't find that to be true at all. Now, when we talk about this girl, I feel like a lot of people can get upset because when someone critiques or talks about this type of person, they think that it's an attack on who they are or it's assuming that these people have ill intent with their content. And I just want to say, I don't think that the majority of people that post wellness content have ill intent. I think there are some. I don't think there's many of the girls that I just described that do have that ill intent. I would say that's more in other areas of wellness. 
And I feel like that's important because even if there are things that can affect us negatively from this type of content or that maybe aren't ideal, it doesn't mean that we're saying that these people are bad people or negative people. I don't think that's the case most of the time. I just want to make that known too because I don't want you guys to think that in describing this person, I'm trying to ridicule this person or ridicule any of you guys that desire to be that person. But I do feel like it kind of brings up an interesting question about why is this the perception of wellness? Because if we broke down every single thing that this person is doing, from the lemon water to the waking up early to the Pilates classes to the smoothies, none of these things are actually the pinnacle of wellness. They may be perceived in that way, especially in combination with this person, but wellness in itself is just meant to be accessible things in all areas of our lifestyle that we can utilize to help us to feel our best and to have a better well-being. It spans all different areas from, yes, food and exercise, but also financial wellness, relational wellness, intellectual wellness, spiritual wellness, emotional wellness, social, occupational, uh, environmental. I mean, there's so many. Every wellness wheel that you look up is going to be slightly different, but the basis of this is that there is one piece of the wellness puzzle that talks about physical wellness in terms of food and exercise, and yet it seems to be the thing that we fixate on whenever we watch this content. And if you keep in mind what I was just saying in terms of all of the things that fill the wellness wheel, it's interesting to then dissect all of the ways that those elements of wellness may be influencing why the person that we're watching on the screen appears as well. To start off, if we were to just take financial wellness and the privilege of this person to be able to live in this type of apartment, wear these type of sets, go to these expensive Pilates Pilates classes, afford these types of food, oftentimes be an influencer so they're not working a typical nine-to-five job, and ultimately as well probably having an upbringing with quite good education that contributes to the educational or the intellectual wellness that we're looking for and all of those different things, we can see how that just one other piece of wellness is having a huge influence on their overall wellness puzzle. Now, we can even do this with the other areas as well. The environmental wellness, they're living in this beautiful apartment in this really well accessible in the city that's arguably well accessible and that they want to live in and they have very nice furniture, a really nice, comfortable home to be in. They have that occupational wellness where they're going to be in a job that is much more flexible than a normal nine to five job or even a job that many people in the States are, you know, they're working hourly jobs, not even nine to five traditional jobs, or they maybe don't have a job. And 
So that is a huge influence on someone's wellness as well. And then all of the other things in this wheel are ultimately affected by what I was just talking about. The social wellness, the intellectual wellness, the physical wellness, the spiritual, every single one of those things, you can see how we could go through and break down each way that their lifestyle is affecting their overall well-being. And it's not just in that area of physical wellness. With all of this being said, it then brings up the question of, are we then looking up to this person's version of wellness because even if it's subconscious, we see how they overall have such a better well-being than many other people? Or is the physical aspect of their wellness so attractive to us that we forget about all these other areas of wellness that are contributing to why they look well. And what I mean by this more legitimately is that we are so distracted by the way that a person looks and the way that their lifestyle looks that we associate that with being well and associate those habits and bodies with being well because we, and we forget about all of those other elements. So is it the subconscious nature of recognizing all of the ways that they have wellness because of their financial, environmental, social, et cetera, et cetera, just privileges? Or is it the fact that we ignore all of those things and just focus on the fact that they look this certain way and none of those other things even matter because we've just associated that wellness is only how someone looks, what they eat, how they exercise, etc. And I honestly don't know the answer to that question. It's probably different for every single person and it's also probably different for every single influencer. But I also feel like there are examples that we can dissect that can help us to think critically about this. So I feel like the first one that comes to mind for me that I would implore you to all ask yourselves is, okay, if I saw this exact same content to a T, everything was the same, but I replaced someone that was in a thin, small, toned, whatever type of body you want to call it, that was conventionally attractive with someone that I didn't consider conventionally attractive or they reside in a larger body or even a body that you don't feel is your goal. Would you view that content in the same way or would you feel differently about it? Would you listen to the habits and the suggestions that they have with as much vigor and excitement as you would the other person? And then on the same token, if you took away the entire environment, so let's say you put someone in an apartment or in a house that wasn't quite as aesthetic, you know, they weren't working out in this beautiful matching set, it was just a t-shirt and shorts or whatever, and they didn't wake up and have the manifestation or this beautiful clock, they just, you know, kind of went about it in a similar way. They had their lemon water, they had a smoothie, 
they went to do a workout, but it wasn't at this beautiful Pilates studio, and they followed similar habits, and they looked the same way, but their environment was different, would you still listen to it with the same excitement, vigor, et cetera, et cetera? And I think you should actually survey your responses to those two questions. Did you have a stronger response to one than you did the other? Because I feel like those can tell you a lot of things. I think if you were listening to my first example and thought about the fact that someone in a different body would not merit the same desire to listen to the recommendations and or even if someone was in a different environment but had the same body, you would still be likely to listen to their recommendations, it's quite likely that your version of wellness could be highly influenced by the way that someone looks instead of the totality of all the things that they're really doing to make them well. But then I also think if you had a response of neutrality to the changing situations, that can definitely tell you something. And if you had kind of the flip-flop of reactions where you were just as likely to listen to someone that was in a different type of body but in a same environment and less likely to listen to someone in a different environment with the conventionally attractive body, then it seems as if you likely care more about what it looks like they have than how they look. And so all of those things, all of those plot points can give you information on how you're forming your particular views around wellness. Each one of you, based off of what you related to, then has dissecting that you can do in terms of what that means for you and what it means for the content that you interact with. But no matter what, we still haven't gone into the conversation around the content that's being posted and why we believe that this is wellness or why we believe that this is something that we should strive for regardless of some of the changes that we did in those examples. The challenge with wellness culture is most of the things that we do see are going to follow the stereotypical example that I first gave. And I do, of course, want to call myself out in that I'm having this discussion as someone that resides in white privilege, thin privilege, financial privilege. I mean, I've been so privileged in so many areas of my life, so I understand that I'm quite close to it. And as someone that has a account that even discusses food in a non-diet way, I can still perpetuate these same wellness culture stereotypes. And I would never want it to seem as if I am bringing up this topic and missing that point because it's, to me, this blaring thing that's right in the center of the conversation as well. But I still feel like with that being said, we can discuss why we feel like we need to strive for this type of wellness culture. Why is this type of content what's pinned on our Pinterest boards? Why are these the type of people that we follow? Maybe why is it not diversified on your feed? 
Or why do you feel the pressure to follow it even if you know deep down that it may not serve you? And I feel like there's a lot of complexity to why we do engage in these things. But I feel like the first thing that would be helpful to do is actually describe what wellness culture is. Kara Harbstreet has an incredible quote on this. She has a master's and she is an RD. And she says, Wellness culture is the more privileged and often more whitewashed and morally correct version of diet culture because you're elevating health and wellness instead of weight loss and vanity. But in general, wellness culture isn't grounded in health and nutrition science either. It's often performative. Many wellness influencers make their rituals and routines very aspirational, very live like me, look like me, thrive like me. But the reality is that it's usually largely because of these people's life circumstances that they're able to thrive, not because of the foods they eat, the workouts they do, or the various self-care practices they engage in. I love that quote so much. I just think it's incredible. And I can link the article in the show notes that this comes from because it's very interesting discussion on wellness culture in general. But I think the launching point from that quote is the whole live like me, look like me, thrive like me, as well as the fact that these practices aren't grounded in health and nutrition. I feel like there is this idea in our current day and age that wellness culture is better because of the fact that we're not focusing on weight loss and vanity anymore. We're focusing on health, quote-unquote, and being strong, quote-unquote, and longevity or whatever other thing we feel falls under that category. And yet what's interesting about it is that not many of the practices that are shared in wellness culture are actually based in health and nutrition fact. But even many of the ones that do have some nutrition fact or research backing them have the underlying tone of changing your body. So an example that I'm thinking of is everyone's fixation with protein. And of course, it is factual that protein is good for you. It's one of the three main macronutrients for a reason. I mean, if we look at biochemistry, when your body breaks down food, it does require protein to a certain extent for many reasons within your body. But the obsession with protein to me seems a lot less about health and a lot more about all of the ways that this could potentially change someone's body to be more quote-unquote toned or to suppress hunger or to do any number of other things. And by the way, those things that I was mentioning, I'm not saying those were fact. I'm just saying those are the types of claims that I have seen. And in actuality, there are many problematic things that could even happen by consuming way too much protein and not enough of the other types of macronutrients in foods, not only physically, but also mentally. And I have a podcast that discusses the obsession with protein, if you want to hear more about that topic. 
And this is the challenge with wellness is I think that many women have felt as if they're moving in a positive direction because of the fact that they've gone from obsessing about restricting foods or removing them or dieting to focusing on protein to feel strong. But in reality, that's just another subset of diet culture. It's still a focus on vanity. It's still a focus on changing your body composition. It's still a focus on your body itself and constantly being in this pursuit of trying to obsessively make it look better. And we don't always associate it in the same way because we have convinced ourselves through the media and through conversations with others that it is in fact different. But as someone that works with people that deal with all types of mindsets, including the more wellness-obsessed mindset, I can tell you that this can lead to the exact same type of obsessive thoughts around food, exercise, and body image, and also poor body image in general. And so taking all of that into account, I think that it's important to then think to ourselves, okay, well then why do I want to engage in these wellness practices, such as balancing my blood sugar or eating vegetables at every single meal or having to do certain types of workouts or needing to balance my plates or whatever it may be. And if we know that most of those things are not based in fact, and then also that many of the things that do have some fact base are being utilized specifically for the purpose of changing your body, it then brings up the question of, are you really following that to achieve the new standard of what a quote-unquote ideal body looks like and also what a quote-unquote ideal wellness lifestyle looks like? And is it really more about this live like me, look like me, thrive like me? We want the happiness that we perceive that these wellness influencers have. We want the look that they have for their body, for their skin, for their life, even the fashion that they wear. And we have basically exchanged these desires to diet in this specific way, restrict in this specific way, with the desire to optimize in this specific way in the name of quote-unquote health. A way to think about this is when you look at the content that shows up on a Pinterest if you search wellness, which is the girl taking a photo of herself in the yoga mirror with her yoga mat and matching set and cute water bottle, or the graphic that talks about ways to deep bloat and deep puff, or the perfectly aesthetic fridge, or the thigh gap picture that is captioned hot girl walk where there's really cute shoes and a nice background. What are you thinking of? Are you thinking of how that's affecting your health? Or are you thinking of the aesthetic behind it and wanting to fit the aesthetic. Because 
if you're wanting to achieve health and that's what you're thinking when you're looking at that content, what does health mean to you? Is health about how long you live? Because based off studies, we know that the most powerful predictors of longevity are happiness, social connection, joy, and a lot of other things that are more mental health lifestyle related than just food and exercise. If you're thinking about feeling your best, you then have to ask yourself what feeling your best will actually look like. And if these things are truly making you feel your best and why you think they're making you feel your best, especially if they're not science-based, science-backed, and or they're pushing the financial, emotional, mental, time-bound pieces of your life to an extreme? Or are you really thinking about health in terms of the size of your body, which we know based off of Hayes' research is not the case? Of course, that's a very complicated conversation, so we can't get into all of that. But if you take that at face value, we know that the size of your body does not directly correlate to health. We know that BMI is faulty. We know that someone residing in a certain type of body doesn't tell us anything about where they're at mentally, physically, emotionally, or whatever else it may be. And so if you think it's for health, then what is the health that you're trying to accomplish? And if you don't think it's for health, then how is this pursuit of this aesthetic type of lifestyle serving you? And is it serving you in an external way or is it serving you in an internal way? Because when we talk about this for women specifically, there can be a lot at play here. There can initially be this desire for women to present as attractive, especially in relation to having a partner or for finding a partner. And although this isn't always conscious, there can be this internal pressure based off of traditional gender roles to show yourselves as a caretaker and there can be this idea that being a caretaker starts with caring for yourself. So the way that you look, the food that you eat, the type of workouts you do, and men can have internalized misogyny and also standards that make them feel as if that's something that women should do. Although, of course, the same standard doesn't exist when it's flipped for men. And I know that the gender roles conversation and the way that the male gaze and all of those stereotypical female versus male just roles affect us is really complex, but it is something that can be affecting you. The way that the male gaze is internalized has a really strong effect on women, even when we don't recognize it. Now, I'm not saying that's what everyone is experiencing when it comes to wanting to engage in wellness culture. I also think that women feel pressure to do this stuff for other women and for themselves. When it comes to other women, Sadly, 
from such a young age and for so long, women have been taught that they are meant to have conversations around how their body looks, what diet they're doing. And this is even, in some ways, the times that women are bonding the most when they're talking about their bodies and food and the experiences that they have. And it's super unfortunate, but it is true. And even if we're not talking about hydroxycut and Weight Watchers anymore within the younger generations, still talking about obsessively going on your hot girl walks, listening to Andrew Huberman's podcast, or I don't know, I don't know, the wellnessy podcast. And I'm not saying Andrew Huberman is bad. He's just like super wellness oriented, although he's a genius. But listening to those podcasts and doing your new blood sugar balancing meal or having your new protein chips or whatever it may be, it's still the same thing, guys. It's not different. Because how is it really serving you to discuss that stuff instead of discuss something more, discuss something beyond just health and wellness? And to take that further, the way that we can judge ourselves with this is that without these health and wellness practices and without our body looking a certain way, We can feel a very intense loss of identity. Many women, and of course men as well, but especially women, feel as if they have to find this sort of identity. And because it is so accepted in society for our bodies and our looks to be commented on from such a young age and so critiqued, it can be really natural to want to gravitate towards health and wellness and changing your body because it will often attract praise. And again, circling back to the beginning of the conversation, it can be seen as really beneficial. It can be it can be a trait that is desirable whether it be to yourself and it makes you feel better about yourself or to other people. And there's even a whole separate conversation that we could dive into with this around productivity and around purpose and how I think that many times women are made to feel like there's not much of a purpose. And if we don't feel like we have a purpose, then we instead kind of focus on these other areas to give us that purpose as well. And that can be done in ways that's beneficial to us, and it can also be done in ways that doesn't feel beneficial to us, and it feels as if it's taking up all of our mental and physical energy and doesn't allow for us to focus and enjoy other things. And all of the areas that I just talked about hold a ton of duality. I cannot be more clear in the fact that I am not in any way sane that By engaging with wellness, you are doing these things. That's just not what I'm saying. I just wanted to present different points so that you can think critically about why you may have the desire to engage with certain things that you are around wellness and also how the things that you're engaging with are making you feel. Because With everything that we just went over, 
And with all of the motivations that we just discussed, it's still important to touch on the fact that wellness is going to be different for every single person. And that spans the entirety of this conversation in the sense that the foods and practices and ways that you move and everything around wellness that you engage in is going to be individual. It should be different than the person that is your best friend, than your partner, than your family, and then the influencer that you see online. And also your motivations for engaging in it and reasons as to why you choose what you do is going to be individual as well. But you should take into account how the choices that you're making currently are making you feel. Are you feeling like you have to engage in those habits because of the fact that you should based off of what this other person that you idolize is doing or based off what a podcast said or based off of whatever else, your family member, anything? Or are you doing those things because they actually have good intention and feel good for you? And that part is important important because it may feel good to you to be hyper fixated on balancing your blood sugar, but if it's not science-backed and you're obsessing over it and it's creating stress for you, that is not necessarily good intention. Not everything that feels good to us is good for us, and so that's important. On the same token, it may feel good to go to a really expensive Pilates studio, but if it isn't financially feasible within your budget, that may not be the best for you. And you may have to reevaluate what does make the most sense for you. It may sound fun or be enjoyable to think about shopping at Whole Foods because someone you see online does it, but environmentally, it may not be close to you. And you aren't not You are not unhealthy or unwell or not aware of your health just because you either can't engage in certain wellness habits that you see online that are really popularized or because you don't want to engage with those or because they don't feel good to you. Wellness is meant to be accessible to anyone and everyone, and it's meant to look unique. And so it's so important to keep that in mind when you find yourself potentially judging what you end up doing around wellness. And of course, I could dive into the entire conversation around how wellness can become obsessive and why it could be becoming obsessive. That is pretty much exactly what we talk about in Love Unrestricted. And so if you feel like you're someone that struggles with that wellness obsession or is worried that you may be having a really large amount of thoughts in a day around food and exercise and body image and how healthy you are, how well you are, then I would definitely recommend applying. It's always linked in the show notes. 
But I do think that in short form, it's just important to recognize that even wellness can be taken way too far. And that can be personally in your own life. And that can also be online. And I think ultimately wellness has been taken too far online. I think we are seeing a really skewed version of wellness because of so many reasons including but not limited to the fact that the algorithm on TikTok and Instagram is inherently pretty discriminatory and favors people in smaller bodies with more beautiful lifestyles. I also think people gravitate oftentimes to very aesthetic, beautiful things just because, I don't know, we're humans and we're simplistic that way. I think there is a nature of people wanting to see things that they view as aspirational. I think there's a lot of different things that go into it, and yet I would highly suggest that you try to break up the content that you see around wellness into more areas and with more, and in those areas, more diversity. Because I guarantee. Well, at least I should say, personally and for my clients, I have seen such a shift in their mindsets around what wellness actually is when they stop listening to those podcast accounts that are constantly talking about those things. They unfollow the celebrities, the people online that talk about the stuff, influencers, mute people on their of their family and friends that are consistently discussing these type of things. Stop and change the Pinterest boards that you have and just diversify and recognize the ways that wellness culture is still infiltrating your mind and affecting your viewpoint on yourself, your body, your lifestyle, and your habits. I don't want it to feel as if I skipped over how much privilege and race and upbringing and financial means and all of that stuff affects this conversation because I didn't fully dive into it. I more just went into the route of talking about wellness in the that girl environment at large If that's something you're interested in, I would love to be able to have a guest on to discuss this that can share a more unique experience than my own because I just don't feel I can adequately cover that because of the inherent nature of my own experiences. I will say that that is a goal for the second half of the year with Seems Like Diet Culture. I would really like to start having on guests to speak on the specific topic so it won't be interview-based in the sense where a guest just comes on and you kind of go in any direction. It will be still centered around the topic at hand but bringing in new and different perspectives because I know that my perspective is limited because I'm just one person and I'm one person with very specific experiences and so If you are someone that would be interested in that, definitely let me know. Um, I plan to have all different types of people on from experts to people in my audience 
that have had experiences with the topics I'm discussing and more. So with all of that being said, we can definitely rate this on our diet culture scale. If you're new here, when it is applicable, we rate things from 0 to 10, 0 being the least diet culture or zero diet culture, and 10 being the most diet culture possible. And I would say that the that girl, wellnessy girls on, and I shouldn't even say, just the perception of that, no woman specifically, I would say is probably around a, probably a (laughs) 7.7. We're getting specific on the diet culture scale, because even if it is completely unintentional, I think most of the recommendations are still pretty entrenched with diet culture, especially with the idea that the underlying desire to change one's body is involved in it. Of course, I would always love to hear what you think, if you agree with me, if you disagree with me, If you loved this episode, if you hated this episode, I'm always wanting your feedback. And if you ever have a topic idea that you actually want me to discuss, you can always submit it. There is a link in my show notes where you can send us a topic request. And that's the best way for us to see those and to remember them. But you can always send them through Instagram as well. If you did enjoy this and you think someone else in your life may enjoy this, it would mean so much if you shared this. If you enjoyed it and you have time, leaving a rating or a review means so much to me. But even if you don't do any of that, I'm just grateful for you spending your time with this podcast on this podcast episode. And I really can't wait to see you guys next week. Have an amazing rest of your day.